Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Well, happy new year. Here we are starting a brand new year. Can you believe it? 2024. And I'm sure one of the top things on everyone's mind is this is an election year. And if you hear the tone of my voice, it's got a little bit of angst in it because, you know, it's uh, my husband, and I pastor out here outside of DC and election years are not for the faint of heart. And so right off the top of this year, I wanted to bring us encouragement, language, framework about how we can move into this year, not only with the most optimistic and the most um, idealistic approach to conversations and our, our prayer for our country, but also just how we can serve the Lord in the middle of what can be a contentious climate. So I'm bringing a guest that I'm very honored and excited about today. And my my leading question here for us today is, is unbridled freedom dividing America? Well, Bobby Albert has studied this very thing. He's a three-time author. He's a leadership coach. He's a speaker who's passionate about the heart condition of America and the level of spiritual warfare that we are all facing. His most recent book, Freedom Paradox, offers timely solutions to reunite our fragmented nation. Welcome, Bobby. I'm so honored to have you here on the Make Life Matter podcast. Well, thank you very much, and it's such a pleasure to be here today. Okay, so before we even started recording, you and I talked about the fact that one of the things we share in common (laughs) is this two little, two word little phrase that causes so much fuel and frustration in our lives. And that is that we're both recovering perfectionists. But you talked about a point about 30 years ago, you made a shift, you, you, you recognized it. Talk about that before we kind of dive into the call that God has entrusted to you, Bobby. Well, <laughs> uh, it, it, uh, it, well, you know, the uh, about 30 years ago, I realized that because I've been driven since I was a little boy for, mm. you know, to be a perfectionist. And uh, about 30 years ago, and, and just, you know, around that time period, I started noticing uh, people around me, uh, not only the leadership team of our company, but also, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, even my own family mm. is, I started noticing that because of my drive for, for perfectionism is they were a bunch of dead bodies laying around me. Mm. And so 30 years ago, I fi- it finally occurred to me that I don't need to do that anymore, but just focus on progress, not perfection. Mm. That's so insightful. And I'm, I was just wanting to lead with that because we're right here at the top of a year, Bobby. And so people, you know, we have high hopes as we start a year. This is going to be the year that I'm going to take on this. And a couple of years ago, we started the year with Mark Batterson and win the day and the importance of even just developing sustainable habits that turn into 
new patterns, and then you can break these kind of destructive and and unsustainable uh, ways of living. So was there something specific that you did to help pivot that? Or was it even a process in your own life? Because once a perfectionist, in a way, it, there's a piece of you that always is, you see it, you acknowledge it, but it, but you choose to decide where you're going to pick your battles. At least that's been my experience, Bobby. And what's really worth um, spending that level of effort on, because if you're, if you're an achiever, you're goal oriented as so many of us are, it's not that we're advocating for mediocrity, but we're advocating for wisdom and discernment in our approach. So speak to maybe some practices that helped you. Well, if I can maybe uh, share this with you is uh, prior to about 37 years ago, uh, I was one of those people that was driving for results. Mm. And uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I mean, I'm laying it out there is especially running our company. I, I really thought I was the sharpest knife in the drawer. Mm. And I, uh, one of my ways of leading our team is that when I, I'm a visionary type person. So when an idea popped in my head, I thought I was the one that needed to figure out how to get it done. Mm. So I would ask, you know, all the questions on my own and go do all the research on my own. And then I would go to our leadership team in our business is go to them and basically said, look what I've done for you. Hmm. because see, I'm driving for perfection and I'm thinking I'm the only one that's going to be driving that. So be honest with you for years, it never did go over well. And we would spend months, sometime years to implement what I considered, what I thought hmm. was a good idea. Well, wouldn't you know it, uh, a, a guy that, begin to uh, consult with me. He uh, did a, what they called a day, uh, a 360 evaluation on me. Mm. <clears throat> and it was mainly with our leadership team, my closest friends, and of course my, my wife. And uh, when it came back, it's, it came back and it identified that Bobby what it was saying is, Bobby, we want to help you, but get us involved in your idea on the front end, not yes. on after you've already made up your mind. And so be honest with you is, is, uh, it made me mad when I first saw it. Sure. Because I'm thinking they didn't appreciate all that work I did for them. And they didn't, you know, they could have kept, they were able to do their job and I, I could, you know, do this for them. Hmm. And uh, it was a good thing. I had a night to sleep on it. And the next morning when I woke up, I began to understand and I've considered a God thing that, uh, our people really want, they, they were honest and, and responding because it was confidential. I don't know who said what, but mm. they really wanted to help me. Sure. And uh, in my mind, I'm thinking, 
Well, it's so hard to implement my ideas. Why are you, I, I'm, it's just a conflict I was having. But I, when I finally begin to understand they really want to help me is it was a change that took place. And I started when I got an idea, cause I'm Mr. Idea, man, you could have given me a t-shirt with a big eye on it <laughs> with idea. So it is, uh, when I got an idea, I started getting them involved and engaging them. That's yes. a big key word nowadays, engaging them in the decision-making process on the front end, not on the back end. And I, I tell you what, I was surprised and shocked as how quickly we implemented. And actually, they came up with better ideas mm. to imp- in the implementation that was better than I had. Wow. And it, I started practicing. We call it internally, we call it, eventually, we call it the one, two, three. And what that one, two, three stands for is uh, it's, it's a leadership engagement process and in that uh, at the beginning of the decision-making process and before you make a decision is ask yourself three questions. And this can apply even with your family is ask yourself three questions. Who can help me make a better decision? Who will have to carry it out and who will be impacted by it? Mm. And so that's where the one, two, three, there are three questions. That's the one, two, three. And whenever you answer those three questions, you involved, you engage those people in involved in the decision-making process, because the more they are engaged and the more in, involved, the more understanding they are, have of what is required. That's so and, good. Uh, This is a little proof. Uh, When I sold a company in 2011 to a publicly traded company is uh, if you walked around and just talk with our employees and we had over 150 employees is if you walked and talk around, they would talk with you as though they own the company and not Bobby out. And you know, you, you, you know, y'all run a church, you and your husband run a church. You can't buy that kind Absolutely. of. Uh, and, and I never, it was fascinating just to watch. And I couldn't out give to our people because I started seeing my work also as a ministry mm. that instead of a job that I went to every day. And I tell you what, 37 years ago, uh, that was pretty foreign. I couldn't yes. find anybody that thought about seeing your work as a ministry and not a job because mm. we, we, it, you see it even more today. We live our lives in compartments. Yes. And um, so many, uh, particularly in the business world, and I see it in, you know, other uh, areas as well. But what I've observed is, and some people have been honest. Some leaders have been honest. It's like, Bobby, what I do at church is at church, but what I do in business is mm. business. And I never heard this, what I'm about ready to tell you. I never heard anybody say it, but you could read their body language and the tone of their voice is that like, 
it, it was, they were trying to explain to me, Bobby, you know, you run a business, you know, you got to lie, cheat and steal from employees, customers yeah. and suppliers just to survive. Mm. So in other words, they, they weren't seeing their total life is sacred to the Lord. They only saw it on Sunday. In other words, they never connected Sunday and Monday. Yes. So it, it, uh, but our ministry, me seeing my work as a ministry, Mm -hmm. it started out small, me having a weekly Bible study that I led. I was even surprised how many employees showed up and, um, but it, 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 it kept growing and kept growing and kept growing until we had to hire an extra person in our human resource department just to handle all of the logistics of our ministry activities, oh, wow. both internally and externally in a business, if you can imagine that. Wow. Wow. It just goes, there's just so many. Thank you for sharing that because there's so many uh, powerful insights that you brought us. Number one, this idea of vocational stewardship. You're right. The Lord gives us vocations and callings and, and marketplace, you know, people that listen are in all different fields and backgrounds. But this disconnect between our faith and the integration of our faith into the rest of our life. I love the fact, Bobby, that you are you're, you're articulating that the Lord started with an internal process in you. I need to adjust this idea of progress over perfectionism because it really isn't a sustainable model. And so this idea of moving toward collaboration, then you saw development in your business that led toward ministry. And that's just the way that the Lord works. He knows that these areas are actually hurting us. They're, they're limiting us. And so what we think is, well, I can do it all myself and I'm going to help everybody, you know, lay it all out for them. You, you never build that kind of collaborative team that you're talking about, yeah. even though you may be the visionary and you set the vision out front, we need to have uh, conversations that engage and empower, especially emerging leaders. And the only way to do that is to start with this internal heart work that you're talking about and allow the, <laughs> and allow, I mean, we wish we could just give you a formula, but that is the formula. You got to let the Lord into the, the heart places and then the hard places. And then you'll find internal freedom and even freedom to operate in your business, in your work, in your ministry, in your family with, with a a whole new lens on life. It's very liberating. It's a very collaborative leadership. It's hard to get there, but once you've gotten there, you really, you never want to go back to the silos after that. And I think it's so crucial to share some of this, Bobby, before we dive into the message of your book, because when we have something like an election year, we've seen it since 2020, um, the pandemic, so many things that polarized our country, even among people of faith, you saw polarizing conversations and opinions. It, it's going to be crucial this year because our instinct, my guess is going to be, is for us to kind of retreat back into those defensive postures, our silos, our my opinion is the only opinion. 
rather than having the, it's going to be more difficult to engage because you know, we could get a little bit into the weeds, but we have to be able to do it. So I want to kind of move from this conversation we're talking about that have been personal developments into what this is going to mean for us as a country, because as you, you kind of referenced, you've been a former CEO, you're a devoted Christian, and you believe Bobby, that when people develop and behave responsibly uh, with responsibility attached to freedom, there's a novel idea, freedom with responsibility. Then they understand that there are behaviors and actions that are off limits. They just don't do. They establish discipline to cross, to not cross these boundary lines. So with this in mind, as we kind of move into this idea of freedom with responsibility, how can we leverage the individual rights that we're blessed to have here in the United States? We are, freedom is a gift and we're grateful. But what I've seen, Bobby, and we've talked about it even at the church and just in personal conversations, people can even become a point to where they're worshiping freedom without yeah. responsibility and freedom without responsibility is bondage. So yeah. I don't want to speak for you. I just want to tell you yeah. from our vantage point as pastors, it can be a very, um, it has to be handled. It's a double-edged sword freedom. So yes. how can we leverage our individual rights but for the benefits of others to prevent yes. our freedom from from devouring itself and devouring us. So I know that's a mouthful, but let's talk about this idea of freedom and responsibility. Boy, you've asked some really good and uh, question there <laughs> and gave some good comments. I mean, it's got my head spinning here. Mm. But uh, let me let me uh, share this. Uh, is why did I write this book? Yes. And uh, it actually, it occurred. I mean, I've been thinking about it. It's like I kept saying, you know, somebody needs to write about the things I put in this book. And you could have given me, if you ever seen one of these wooden round to it, uh, you could have given me one because it was like, well, when I get around to it, because it was so different than what I've written before. Mm. And uh, so one day, I was in my daily quiet time. <clears throat> I was reading first Peter chapter two, verse 16. And it, it, what it said is live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, mm. but living as servants of God. And I tell you what, when I read that, it just shook me. Mm. It, it, I mean, I it, it's like, okay, <laughs> okay, Lord, I get the point. You want me to write this book. Mm. So that's when I began this process of researching uh, this book because I knew it was going to have to tie into history and I'm not a history buff, mm-hmm. but I had to dig deep in the sure. founding of America. And this is where I discovered that uh, there were two things and, and one of them may be obvious, but uh, the first thing was, is that the core values of America was freedom and responsibility. And you mm. share, you talked about that just a moment ago. And it's not an either or. It's right. and 
both uh, and at the same time. And America's got this really confused. Uh, And you really kind of, you address it there is, uh, see what the paradox, the book's called Freedom Paradox. What the paradox is, the more we behave irresponsibly, the more freedoms we lose. That's right. That's so good. And conversely, the more uh, responsible we are, that we are in our behaviors, the more freedoms we gain. Mm. It's a, it's a paradox. It's, it's, but but if you can almost from a scripture aspect is substitute the word obedience for the word responsibility, right? Is in our obedience to the Lord is I've observed in my life, the more obedient, the more I surrender to the Lord. It's kind of like I share with people because I was in that category. I kept striving to gain hold of the Holy Spirit. Well, I finally learned with the Lord's help, it was how much I was letting the Holy Spirit have a hold of me. Mm, That's good, Bobby. And so in other words, the more I surrendered to the Lord the more freedom he gave me. And it, it, it's like, I don't even, you know, a big issue today is mental health. Yeah. Especially you hear about it in the workplace. And, but just in general, I mean, even kids in school have mental health issues. Mm. And this comes back to this heart condition that, uh, that America, and we're not, when we say heart condition, I'm not talking about, you know, your physical, you know, your yes. physical heart. Uh, we're talking about your spiritual and heart condition that, uh, is such a big factor. And it's also funny. I'm, I was chuckling uh, when you mentioned about the word formula. And man, this is fresh. I hadn't even written anything on this yet. So your audience is getting something here. All right. You know, (laughs) but I've, I came up with a formula that is motivation times action equal outcome. Mm. So in other words, when you, with, with, it multiplies based on your heart condition. Hmm. Now, let me share this. It kind of complicates the formula, but within the motivation side is it's the mind times heart equals the will. Yes. And you, you, since you and your husband, you know, have a, a church is, uh, is, you know, there's always an emphasis on, uh, uh, you know, uh, repentance. Yeah. And, and I know I see it in my own church. There's a lots of people convicted of sin every Sunday when they come, but they're, they don't go to the next step to repent of that sin. And when they leave the church doors, they continue to live the life they lived Mm -hmm. before. And so, but repentance comes to the point where, I I'm willing to conform my will to the Lord's will. Yes. 
And that's where repentance come by his grace. Mm. And so that's the reason why it, but the, the root cause of our life, the root cause that I'm finding, this is, um, uh, that I've discovered is the heart condition. Yes. And I, I'm reading in the old Testament right now. And it, it uh, that was the problem with the nation of Israel mm-hmm. and even, you know, the Northern kingdom being Israel and Southern being Judah. And it, it was the heart condition of the people. Yes. And the Lord just kept wanting the people just to be faithful to Mm. him. Mm. And so it, I may, (laughs) I'm running, I'm running all around your question. No, it's it's just such good insights because what you're giving us, Bobby, is we could just slap a quick answer on let's have freedom and responsibility. But what you're telling us is, it starts with a heart condition. There's a reason that we're fighting against God, that we're fighting that surrender, that we're fighting that yielding to responsibility. And what what we tend to do as Americans is, well, I have my rights. Well, it's my right, my right, my right. And that is that is counter the Bible is counter cultural yeah. to that. The, we we we're we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Yes, we're living in whatever country we're living in on earth. And I I've just seen Bobby. I feel like sometimes we get that backwards. You know, God has blessed us if we're living here in the United States. We're blessed with freedom, but it cannot be something that we worship and that we wear this badge of my rights. To the point where, like you're saying, it competes with, it becomes a competing value with the kingdom of surrendering our rights, surrendering <laughs> our, our ability to be, to be right and, and have what I want when I want. Paul says, I make myself all things to all people so that by some means I might win some to Christ. Yes. So we, we've got to remember even going through this year of an election is, if you're a Christ follower, you're a Christ follower first. Yes. And then you are living in the United States. And and yes. when we get that backwards, our rights as an American begin to become greater than our responsibility to the gospel, to the message, which which has been really what you've been talking about all throughout, Bobby, our personal responsibility with the way that we're handling ourselves and our relationships with others, our integration of faith in our work, our, 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 our heart posture and recognizing I can't just clock in and clock out of church on Sunday and say, I kind of did my thing and go on and live my life the other six days of the week without ever having a heart change. Because otherwise that's a different kind of bondage altogether. We can tell you, don't do this, don't do that. And now you're back under law. Yeah. And and Paul and even Jesus says, I I didn't come for you to get right back under a law. All the law could do in the Old Testament was remind us that we're a sinner. That's all it can do. And we're never going to be able to keep the law in and of ourselves, which is why we need a savior in the first place. If we could save ourselves, if we could attain freedom (laughs) by ourselves, we wouldn't need a savior in the first place. So the recognition that I need to repent, 
that I am a sinner that is only saved by grace. That is the starting place of a life of true freedom. Freedom comes through surrender, surrendering first and foremost to the Lord. And then that affects the way that we interact and treat others. And so I see everything you're saying, Bobby, is integrated. It's obvious, guys, that I could say, Bobby, let's have a conversation of just integrating our faith and work, and we could fill an hour. Bobby, let's have a conversation just of because you're a wealth of information. And and on that note, I just want to say, guys, you've got to check out his website and his and it's bobbyalbert.com or org. Bobby, make sure I get that right. Well, uh actually it's uh values driven culture. Yes. Dot com. Uh, but if you plugged in Bob, Bobby Albert dot com, it, it'll, it'll You'll find be it. That's what I did. Yeah. Yes. Value driven, values driven culture. And I will put that in the show notes because the freedom paradox is your latest book is unbridled, unbridled freedom dividing America, but you have other resources as well. And, uh, any number of things that we've touched on engaging, your your leaders, uh, heart postures, uh, vocational stewardship. These are woven through your leadership principles, the way you approach life. Um, so I see everything you're saying as still sides of the same coin. It's like we're just shifting the kaleidoscope a little bit to show a different angle. But per- but but overall, what we're saying is personal responsibility is linked to freedom. It's a yes, yes. and. It is a yes. And, and so that means I, I am pointing to myself, am responsible for the way I handle myself as a Christ follower in 2024, how I engage in conversations online with other people, with people who don't agree with me, how I know when to be quiet, when, when to step away. We've got to let wisdom and discernment. And as you mentioned, the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us or we're going to end up completely tangled up in our own issues. And then that that freedom that we're talking about becomes the sword that we end up, you know, piercing ourselves or others with because we're not exercising responsibility. So I could talk to you for hours, Bobby, but I do want to lean into a con. <laughs> I want to lean into one question that's a little more pointed as far as this election of someone saying, okay, I hear you, but you know, I have family members that are voting differently than me. And, and, you know, I even quit going to such and such group because it was politically contentious. I mean, we're all, we've all been there. We've all dealt with these kind of things. So I want to give people a couple of, of tangible things in this one area, even though everything you've have shared has been so insightful, but more and more people are are thinking, well, I want my country back. And of course that's already <laughs> yeah. a biased statement because what does that yes. mean to that individual person? Right. And through faith, it is possible to be a confident leader in these uncertain times. My dad and I wrote about that and brave enough to believe you've written about it in your resource and especially in Freedom Paradox that we can be a confident leader in uncertain times, but leaders will learn how to engage with our culture. We've talked about that to adapt and create new solutions. And so, Bobby, I want to just talk. um, We've talked about the mind, the will, the motivation, uh, being empowered by faith in every area of our life. But for someone who's saying, yeah, but how do I have that hard conversation? How do I navigate this year with all of its contentions and unknowns? We have no idea how this year is really going to unfold. Yeah. 
What would be your one, if, if you could say one thing to someone who's feeling really uncertain, really yeah. anxious about what might lie ahead, what encouragement would you have for them, Bobby? Well, uh, if I could uh, share this with you, you know, uh, in the Bible, uh, Jesus was asked, what was the greatest commandment? And uh, his response, I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, he he said, uh, love God and love people. Mm. It's pretty simple. Yeah. That, that ought to be our mission mm. in life mm. is to love God and love people. And if we start... Uh, thinking in that way at the end of the day and what I do, I, uh, it's, it's kind of helps me go to sleep. Cause I, I don't know when I lay down to go to bed, I mean, I lights out and I'm, I mean, I'm just gone to sleep. I, but at the end of the day is ask ourselves, how well did I love God and love mm-hmm. people today? Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's it. We could talk for hours, but that's it. Oh, I know. I I mean, I I have on, I was a worship leader for almost 20 years, worship pastor, and I have on my mirror because when I transitioned out of that, we've, you know, we've talked a little bit about pivoting and making adjustments and adaptations for, for just a minute. I felt like, well, am I still anointed? Am I still called? And, you know, sometimes sitting in front of a computer, trying to kind of get a chapter written, Bobby, as you know, it just feels gritty and hard on those days. And, and some days it doesn't even know, am I loving God? Am I loving people? Well, but I put on my mirror, a, a simple sentence, God, how do you want me to worship you today? Yes. It may not be standing there in the pulpit leading worship, but am I loving you God? Yes. Well, am I loving people? Well, and if yeah. I can put my head down at the end of the day, it doesn't mean we don't have hard conversations because sometimes loving people well means speaking truth and love. It means meeting people where they are. It means holding space for other people's ideas. It means fighting for unity. It means all of those things. It's a yes and in all of these things. And and the, the good news is here, guys, if you're listening today, we don't, the last thing we want you to feel is overwhelmed. We want you to feel empowered to go through this year knowing that God is going before us. He's sovereign. That should put all of our minds at ease. That even on our worst day, individually and as a country, God is in control and he's for us. And we continue to say, my heart's desire, God, is to love you and to love others. He will take care. When we are taking care of the things that matter to him, he takes care of the things that matter to us. So if we can do no other things this year, but to love God and to love others. Obviously for Jesus to say it's summed up in this and we can't even get that one thing. We can't even do this one command. He said the whole law is summed up because it's, it's, it's easier said than done. And we know that, and we're not saying it's easy, but staying in a, in a, a posture of humility this year, dependence on God, recognition that repentance and and responsibility are linked and knowing that God is going to um he is going to be honored in our obedience. He is yeah. going to be honored and and where we you mentioned that scripture from Peter to say 
live free. Yes, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free in a way that glorifies God and yeah. loves others well, not as a cover up for evil. What a powerful um, framework for this freedom paradox that we carry. Guys, you've got to get a copy of the book. What a book that we have to read as we go through this year, the freedom paradox with all that is seeking to divide, may God's people be instruments of reconciliation because that's what he came to do is to reconcile human humanity to himself. And so we are now here as agents on this earth, spiritual beings in a temporary place to be instruments of reconciliation. And that is going to be countercultural all year long. But ask God for, for windows of opportunity to lead collaboratively that brings in other opinions. He's going to give you the grace to handle that. He's going to give you the grace to bump up against somebody else's thoughts or opinions that might be different than yours and to know how to navigate that. But the solution, guys, is not division. The solution is not isolation. The solution is collaboration and concern, genuine care for one another as we move forward. And I'm just going to believe that this is going to be our greatest year yet, not a year marked by division and isolation, but a year marked by unity and reconciliation, first and foremost among the body of Christ. So Bobby, I I have been um, jazzed up by this conversation. I could talk (laughs) for hours. I bet, yeah. Because I believe so powerfully in the things that you're saying, and I think it's so crucial And I'm not even going to speak to those that are outside of the body of Christ. If just the body of Christ would be able to do this well, to hold the tension of freedom and responsibility, if we can do that well, then so much would change in our culture. So let it, let it, let it begin with us as the body of Christ and not look outside, but look within us to say, God, what do you want me to do? How am I going to love you and love others well? So, Bobby, thank you for challenging us, for encouraging us, and for being honest and saying, look, this journey began with me 37 years ago. God did a hard work in me, and now I'm trying to bring that to a culture in crisis and say we can we can lead well, we can lead others well, and we can love God and love people well. So yeah. Bobby's going to pray for us in just a moment. But Bobby, before we hop off, I love to ask one question of all of my guests. You mentioned Peter, so he might be he might be the answer. But other than Jesus, who is that person in the Bible, at least in this season of your life, that is most inspiring you to make your life matter? Well, this is maybe interesting. Uh, is... I would like to ask the Holy Spirit is what is your role in heaven? Because I cannot find in scripture the role of the Holy Spirit. I know he's going to, he's, he's going to be there Mm. along with, you know, God, the father and God, the son. And so I know he's going to be there. I've, but I can't find in scripture what role he's going to play. Wow. I've never even thought of that. I mean, it says in creation, he was hovering over the waters, over the chaos. Of course, now he's the active agent on the earth because Jesus sits at the right hand of the father. Holy spirit lives in us at salvation. Yeah. 
But that is such a profound question. Now you're going to have to have me get some, I'm going to have to call my MDiv husband and say, okay, I need, what do you think on this? I mean, heaven is such a beautiful and mysterious concept anyway. When we get all tangled up in this world, can we just pause for a minute and think it's a blink and one day yes, we're going to be in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be in heaven and um, let's take as many people as we can with us. Can we do that? Can we keep yes. that our framework? Uh, but what in a unique question, because obviously the Trinity, it's three in one. He is three in one, but I don't know. I'm not even sure I know the answer to that. I'm going to give that <laughs> some thought today, Bobby. No one has ever said the Holy Spirit and no one has ever framed it that way. So that's a, that's a great thought and a great question. And I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that we live the way that you're describing today because we have the power and the presence of the Holy spirit. We're not free from the, uh, from sin being present from the presence of sin, but we are free speaking of freedom from the penalty of sin and from the power of sin to dominate us. That's true freedom. That's the freedom that Christ died for is for us to live free from the penalty And the power of sin, it does not have to have mastery over us. You can live free this year. Anything that's that you have felt like has kept you enslaved, has kept kept you limited, has has just been that point of, oh, I just don't want to live this way any longer. You can live in true freedom this year. And it starts with a personal relationship with the Lord. And then it flows from there, as Bobby's saying, it's progress over perfection. And it'll be that way until we see the perfection of heaven. So yeah. Bobby, thank you so much for what you brought to the table and, and, uh, and, and you're just your resources and, and taking on this conversation of the paradox of freedom. It's so needed. And, and you were absolutely the right person for the Holy Spirit to entrust this message to. So thank you guys. Go visit his website. Go get a copy of this book. Maybe read it with your family this year so that that we have united thoughts about how we're going to you know, walk through this year in ways that are God-honoring and honoring to others. So Bobby, would you give us any last thoughts and then would you pray for us as we close today? Yeah, if I if I might share this about somebody might say, well, okay, I understand about how to, uh, you know, I hear a lot about love, how to love God, and mm. and uh, but how do you love people? And if I can maybe add this and take a little more time, just a few minutes here, is you know Jesus when he was talking with his disciples, he said, uh, "I come not to be served." but to serve. Now, this comes back to, you know, 37 years ago. In our business, we had the traditional organization chart, like with me at the top, and then the leadership team and supervisors underneath that and so forth. And of course, at the bottom was the frontline people. So I took that organization chart, and this could even apply to the family in a smaller way. It could apply to uh, your church. Is I took the organization chart and turned it upside down. Mm. And I put me at the bottom. And I took on the role to serve, to equip, and develop the leadership team. They knew they had the same responsibility 
to people that reported to them. And at the top of the organization chart was the frontline people. And uh, above them was the customer. You you know, in the church, it could be, you know, the members. Yeah. Uh, and above the, the members or the customers is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And uh, Colossians 3, 23 and 24 was the foundational verse that I would share four times a, a year when we'd have company-wide meetings. Um, and it talks about in there that whatever you do, do it with all of your heart, not unto men, but unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the end of verse 24, it says, it's the Lord Jesus Christ who you serve. Hmm. So in other words, our employees, they understood because they clearly heard from me says over and over and over, over years is when they came to work, this is a place of business. Mm. They came to work to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, not Bobby Albert. Right. And so when they were serving each other internally, and we had another teaching on the internal customer concept, uh, when we serve each other internally and served our customer, we are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And to give you another practical way in uh, uh, in a family, for example, it's a daily prayer I have is that I ask the Lord, open my eyes and ears as to my wife. Hmm. So I can lift her up higher and serve her more. Mm. So in other words, today, wherever you, the Lord takes you and you're, you know, if you're, you know, at work or something, walking around or uh, at the convenience store, or if you go to Walmart or, you know, is have a, in the eternal perspective rather than an earthly perspective and just see who you can lift up so you can serve them more. Mm. Wow. Wow. So powerful. So powerful. And if we would all take that approach, what a different, what a different culture this would be. Baba, your gift, your gift to the body of Christ, your gift, I'm sure to your family and to those that have known you and now a gift to those who can know you through your resources, even if we don't have a chance to sit directly under your leadership. So thank you. Thank you for all that you've shared, encouraging us to serve, lead through serving, lead through serving. If you can't be a good follower, you can't be a good leader. And first and foremost, we're following Jesus Christ. So if we follow him well, we'll lead just ourselves well. Can we just focus on leading ourselves well yeah. in a way that's God honoring? And then what he calls us to do will follow that. So thank you, Bobby. So many beautiful and and powerful insights today and um, a refreshing conversation. Uh, and what you heard today, guys, was no hint of political agenda, no hint of, of abrasiveness. We can have these conversations because we are, wanting to lead and love from a posture of that honors Christ. 
And when that's our framework, that's going to change the way that we walk through this year. So thank you, Bobby. Would you pray for our listeners as we wrap up our conversation today? Yes. Father, we, uh, boy, uh, we are so grateful that you are the God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth and the sovereign Lord uh, in control of all things and everything seen and unseen. And Father, I'm just so grateful that uh, at the foundation of creation, you knew the day that you were going to wonderfully make me in my mom's womb and that you were going to breathe life in me and give me a unique purpose. I thank you for being my savior. I thank you that you are, you are my sustainer. Not only while continue to live this life here on earth, and I know someday you already know the day that you're going to withdraw that last breath. But I know when I get to heaven and I'm going to be just covered over by your love, fully separated from Satan and sin, that I won't even know what that is. But I'll be so covered by your love. I, I to be honest with you, Lord, I'm not sure I even understand the abundance of that love where I am right on this side of heaven. But Father, I'm so thankful that you, by your grace, uh, you are the one that uh, has given me contentment with who I am, uh, what I do, uh, where I live even, and that you've given me um, confidence to walk among the crowds like a walking prayer uh, and that uh, you've given me the courage to be bold for Jesus Christ. And Father, I I just pray that whatever has been said and done here today uh, come from this, that we would live a, a transformed life because you have renewed our minds. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at AngelaDenadio.com, Facebook at AngelaDenadioVOV, and Instagram at AngelaDenadio. Until next week, let's make life matter.